The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your company about to be involved in a merger or acquisition? No matter what side of the deal you are on, this can be a daunting and very risky part of business. Welcome to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. On each show, you'll hear from top executives representing a variety of industries. We'll discuss the success stories, best practices, and lessons learned that can help you engineer a smooth transition that's good for your business and celebrated by your people. Now, here's your host, Sonia Weigel. Hello, and welcome to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers acquisitions. I'm your host, Sonia Weigel. Every week we come together to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of mergers and acquisitions with guests who bring expertise and seasoned experience to the conversation. Think of this as your once-a-week consulting hour where we can gain powerful insights and knowledge about the successes, the failures, and the lessons learned through the wisdom and experience of guests that each week come from a variety of industries and represent all sides of a deal. As the title indicates, we'll focus on the people side of M&A, specifically the culture, behaviors, human capital strategy, and processes. How often have we seen deals that are beautifully architected from a finance or legal perspective only to fall apart post-close because of culture clashes? My firm, SWC Management Consulting, works with companies every day to navigate the very important but often tricky world of organization transformation. We like to help our clients ensure that these transformations are executed flawlessly and in a way that drives the success of their business. I love getting to work with our clients to bring tangible impact through human resources. Helping companies to harness their most important asset, their people, is why I do this. It's my hope to use this radio show as a platform to help many of you in the same way, by hosting an interactive show that gives the listening audience access to the best minds in this business for the benefit of themselves and their companies. So if during the conversation today you've got a question or you'd like to contribute to the discussion, please feel free to call in or email us. You can also reach me via email after the show if you like. Okay, let's get the conversation started. I have with me today Sarah Leonard, who works for GlaxoSmithKline as their VP of Global Learning and Development and Organization Development. In this capacity, she is responsible for determining overall people and organizational learning and development strategies. Her deep expertise is in leadership development, strategic capability building, employee engagement, and organization development interventions in order to help meet complex business challenges. Sarah works with C-suite executives and senior HR business partners on the global learning and development agenda to ensure that this strategic enabler and engagement lever is fully leveraged for GSK's growth agenda. She joined GSK 22 years ago and has held roles of increasing responsibility within the organization development function across all of its business divisions, including corporate groups, commercial business for both consumer and pharmaceuticals, as well as the pharma and R&D business and GSK vaccines. Sarah is known for her strategic thinking, her deep OD expertise, and for inspiring and, and her inspiring and authentic leadership. 
She graduated from Leeds University in Modern Languages and Business Studies, and her early career roles were across marketing, sales, and finance. I'm so excited to have Sarah on the show today because we're going to get to talk about the people side of large-scale transactions in the global pharmaceutical industry. Hello, Sarah, and welcome, and thank you for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me. Looking forward to the conversation. Yes, this should be good. This should be good. Um, So first, for the benefit of those who aren't familiar with the term learning and organization development, explain what exactly that is and what role it plays in a large corporation like GSK. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll start with organization development first, um, because that's been the major focus of my career for the last 22 years. And it is a little bit what you touched on um, in the introduction. It's all about how do we align the people against the strategy for the company um, from a behaviors, mindset, and culture perspective. And organization development is a professional practice in its its own right and uh, really focuses on how you do that um, alongside, you know, any finance partners or business partners or comms partners that you might be working with. But that that real... people focus on making transformation work. That's the OD side of the role. And then global learning and development encompasses that. So if we think about capability building in its general sense of the term of which organization development is a part, um, global learning and development in GSK is really all about how do we um, make sure that all of the employees um, have the capabilities that they need when they need them at the right time for the roles that they have to perform now and in the future. And so with a company like GSK, where there are very, very specialized, I mean, it's it's not uh, Mm -hmm. definitely the kind of a company compliance driven, uh, pharmaceuticals, Mm -hmm. specialized, highly degreed, same, right? So (laughs) across all of the skill sets, there are the behaviors that are important inside of an organization. And I imagine that's really where you sort of target your your focus and that's where the, the value comes with the, with the OD function. Yeah, I mean, that's why uh, actually um, I took the role um, of combining learning and development and organization development last year um, because the way that those two intersect are actually really key. So actually my focus is, is on technical skill building, it's on business skills building, it's on compliance, certainly because we're a very highly regulated industry. And then there's the leadership and the culture. There's everything. My passion is, is is always around the culture and the leadership because I think that's that's the, the secret sauce, mm-hmm. if you like. That's the difference that makes the difference to any kind of change we want to um, implement in a, in a company and any strategy we, we want the people to get behind. And so how do you, in a global organization, translate those cultures across cultures where, you know, you're working with different companies, you're working with different countries, yeah. Yeah, you know, with, that have a different cultural footprint just in and of itself, even outside of what's required from a day-to-day business perspective. How, how do you bridge those gaps from an OD perspective? So, it, I mean, it all comes down to the individual leader at the end of the day. Um, it's really important, you know, if I think about kind of experience in mergers and acquisitions, I, I recently worked on the consumer uh, joint venture between Novartis and GSK and how you bring those two companies together to create a, a culture for one company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's important that 
the head of that business and her leadership team were really clear on what culture they wanted to create. Um, but then it's about engaging the hearts and minds of all the leaders mm-hmm. across the organization so that that gets translated and cascaded in a meaningful way with dialogue for the employees across the globe. So, you know, I can't sit here in Philadelphia and, you know, understand what that means on the ground for someone in Malaysia or China or Australia or Singapore, but we count on the leaders to be able to do that and to have the right conversations to carry the message forward. And how do you translate that for leaders who are fully focused on financials, performance, competitive position in the marketplace, these are the things that they are fully focused on. How do you inject this leadership component sensitive to culture and behaviors and quantify that for them in a way that says, okay, this is a business imperative as well. In fact, you know, my personal opinion is drives, this one drives the other. Right. Right. Well, it's not always easy. Yeah. So, um, you know, the it, it is about that belief that... Um, how leaders engage, inspire, motivate, and build capability in their organization will ultimately drive better performance. So to your point, I, I, I'm aligned with you. <laughs> I agree that, you know, that is a key success criteria in order to achieve your business goals. But getting people to um, believe that, um, assimilate that, interpret that for themselves and then lead that in their organizations is always a challenge Mm -hmm. and you know I I don't think I've ever in kind of the big three merger and acquisitions that I've been involved in I've never seen that done perfectly and I've never seen every leader you know get on board with that Um, you have to I think get to the critical mass and the actual leader of the business ultimately the the chief executive or the the president of the business is key in um setting the tone, um, holding people to account, being relentless around the importance of that aspect of the merger acquisition, transformation, whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. So, you know, you can ha- you can press on all the levers mm-hmm. to make sure that you're doing the utmost to get everybody on board. But personally, I don't think I've ever been in a situation where it's 100% everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd love to hear from people if they've got the secret magic bullet to that but uh, critical mass is key I think yeah yeah well so you've been with GSK 22 years mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, I feel like this is a soapbox that I've personally been on for 22 23 years and that is making that case for the value of, of OD and culture and, and what that plays um, is, is GSK unique in its adaption of that concept you've been working with them in that capacity for quite some time is this natural to the pharmaceutical industry or to gsk in particular or do you, do you feel like uh you know this is an ongoing sort of conversation and i think it's definitely an ongoing conversation i think it waxes and wanes depending on the particular chief executive officer that you've you know that's heading the business i've been with gsk 22 years we're just about to get our new CEO in Emma Wormsley as of 1st of April. She's our CEO designate. That will mean that I will have worked with five CEOs during oh, wow. my time in, in GSK. So, you know, I go back to, you know, the SmithKline 
Beecham merger under Bob Bowman's leadership as the chief executive, um, you know, that was a very different tone. There was a def- you know, there were particular aspects. You know, we then had Jan Leshley, JP Garnier, now Andrew Whitty. So, you know, again, the leader is so, so key in how they, you know, ultimately believe the importance of what we're talking about, the people side. And, you know, depending on who that was, um, it makes it an easier job or a harder job. Mm-hmm. Um, our role, I think, in, in organization development, as well as learning and development, is to, is to hold the mirror up and be the voice and be courageous and challenge when they uh, potentially um, underestimate the importance of that and perhaps maybe put that in second place. Right, right. And, and to be there to catch them when they, they fall. Exactly. In that regard. And, exactly. and to, so it's sort of a parallel path of creating these plans and aligning them with the strategy. But when there are hiccups, and there always are, being conversant enough in what the business is doing to realign where necessary. Yeah, and sometimes it, you know, it comes down to the, you know, leaders have unconscious, we all have unconscious behaviors. Yeah. And so with the best intent, they sometimes don't realize the impact of their behavior. Yeah. Um, and so it's about holding that mirror up, giving that feedback, doing the constant coaching to say, you're saying this and you're acting in a different way. And in that respect, therefore, you, you know, they can course correct. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a key role for, you know, anyone in the, you know, um, people profession, particularly in mergers and acquisitions to, sure. to, to hold that mirror up. Well, that's a great place to take a break. Um, when we come back after this break, we'll talk a little bit about some specific transit transactions. So let's take a quick break. We will be right back with Sarah Leonard after a few minutes. Thank you. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace. Every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Welcome back, everybody. Don't forget to call in with your questions or comments uh, if you'd like to join my discussion with Sarah Leonard today. So, Sarah, I think everybody knows that M&A plays a big part in global pharmaceuticals. In fact, you've personally been involved and played a big role in some of the most visible mergers in this industry. Can you share with us a little bit about your personal history in this space and some of the transaction history that you have with it? Sure, of course. Yeah, so my first experience actually was with the uh, Smith, Klein, Beckman and Beecham Group um, merger. Um, This is going uh, a a long way back. (laughs) Uh, So back in kind of early 90s, um, as I mentioned before, Bob Bauman was the CEO. Um, He's written a book on um, the actual uh, approach that we took. Um, It's called From Promise to Performance. And I was um, actually quite involved in initiated as a result of those companies coming together. It was coined Simply Better. Um, but ultimately, it was really about, you know, the values and the ways of working with the company. Um, and he took a very, um, I'd want to say, um, organic, but uh, robust, comprehensive, global approach. So every single person in the organization was involved in, you know, the whole rollout of the cultural change. Um, And my role at that time, even, you know, early in my career was was very much around how we uh, build capability Mm -hmm. in leaders to enable them to have those conversations, the right conversations that we wanted them to have around the culture that that he was trying to create and him and his team, obviously. And the culture ideally is um, designed after the full knowledge of what the strategy is for this new company, right? So we've, we've got this new entity. This is where we'd like to take it. We've got one culture over here. We've got one culture over there. Mm-hmm. This new united culture is some measure, I guess, the best of both. But so how, how do you look at two disparate cultures and decide which elements of each you want to keep? Do you want to create something entirely different? You know, what what is that process like? Um, I'd probably draw on my more recent experience to talk about that, um, which is, the, as I mentioned before, the consumer joint venture in GSK between Novartis uh, and GSK. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a delicate balance. So you really want to think about bringing the best of both. And um, I think my experience in GSK with um, the, pre, the, 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 the Glaxo and SmithKline merger as well was that this was a true merger you know um, as far as we could possibly make it mm-hmm. and so being bringing the best of both was absolutely important so doing the diagnosis and really fully understanding and hearing from the employees about what they want to keep about their culture is really important and we did that diagnosis and then you you look at the two companies alongside and you see where the overlaps are and actually, what was interesting in that process was that the things that um, the Novartis side of the company wanted to hold on to and they were proud of, 
mm-hmm. were things that in GSK we actually wanted to improve. Right. <laughs> and the things that that we have that we're very proud of in our people focused culture and you know development and and that they they didn't have as much in their organization and so you know fortunately worked out that um the culture um when you put them together was actually what everybody was was asking for now that's easy to say on paper yeah but then how do you make that a reality is is the next is the next step and you know one of the key pieces you know, interventions that I was personally involved in was to work work with Emma Wormsley who was the uh, chief executive of that joint venture now our CEO mm-hmm. um, for GSK um, to really articulate what that meant for her and for her team and what that looks like and what that doesn't look like um, so you know getting very clear and articulating that I think is important one of the things that um I think is compelling for folks as they talk about assessing culture. When you think about a merger or an acquisition about to happen, you're contemplating going into one. You know, in in a situation with a global company uh, like a pharmaceutical, there are going to be some regulatory restrictions in terms of types of conversations Mm -hmm. that you can have. And, you know... (laughs) When can you, I mean, doing that assessment or that diagnosis of, of the uh, yeah. disparate cultures can be very difficult if you're not allowed to engage with the employee of the target company or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once, what's the best way to, you know, the, despite the fact that it's difficult to do, it's still something that really, really should be done. Right. So, and you know, in, in this industry, how do you handle something like that? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of structure and process that's put around it and, um, you know, data integrity and um, how you access materials, how you distribute materials. Um, but actually, uh, what was what was really good in the in the consumer JV work was that we could um, quite early on, we brought executives together from both sides. Mm-hmm. It's all done under a certain, you know, code, you know, clear guidelines and principles and rules that we had to follow. Um, but we were very lucky that we, we actually brought the executives together very, very quickly. And certain uh, teams were set up that were we were allowed to interact and engage with. Um, you know, you have to follow all the protocols, obviously. Um, but, you know, my experience was that that made it easier. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you are working on assumptions hearsay perception you know of the other company um and same from them to you and that can get in the way so being able to have the direct dialogue is really important and it was it was managed i mean you know that's the consumer business it's less regulated sure, than, sure. than a farmer uh, business would be but um there are ways ways to achieve what you need to achieve and with the so the transaction that you were involved with prior to the consumer joint venture mm-hmm. was the GlaxoSmithKline. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what are, what are some cool stories that you could tell us about? <laughs> oh, gosh. So cool stories. So I think what I really enjoyed about that particular merger was that um, the approach to it was much more organic than maybe what I've experienced more recently or even in the, f- the first one that I was um, heavily involved in, in that um, the, the chief executive officer was really on board with involving um, employees in co-creating 
So um, in terms of, you know, establishing what leadership should look like and what leaders should stand for in the company, that was created with, you know, his team. But then they went out and engaged with, you know, senior leaders across the organization and then the whole organization. Mm -hmm. So much more organic. And then you go, what's the feedback? What do we need to adapt? What do we need to now put in place? to continue on this journey. And, and that was fabulous. Um, I think sometimes now we're very kind of structured and processed and we put a, a wonderful plan together and then we follow the plan. Right. And then we're not actually paying attention to actually what's happening on the ground and you know the feedback. And of course, we try and do our best with that. But what was really good about that particular merger from, from my perspective was you know, this much more, we're going to build it. We're going to build it as we go. And we're not going to set it in stone as leaders and, you know, just dictate it to the organization. We want to engage them and involve them and have them co-create to some extent. So um, that was a piece that I thought was, um, actually, I'd like that to be more, <laughs> more, more than it is nowadays that I see. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are the things that seem to nowadays prevent that kind of that an interaction is it you know is there more pressure to get these things done do we move faster now yeah. is it um, you know a lot of what we talk about now are the external pressures associated with just you know even social media and those kinds of into a transaction once it's made public that are not even in-house All right but you've got to prepare your leaders to, to deal with I mean I have to I have to think that it is it is down to that fast pace, you know, the, the information that just goes around the world immediately um, that puts that pressure on us to perform, to deliver, to execute. Um, and, you know, it, it felt much more, much more slow mm-hmm. in the past, you know, and you could actually take time to plan, review and and course correct. And sometimes it's very hard to hold the machine back, you know, because you've got these plans and, you know, senior executives are held to their financial, you know, targets that they've agreed in terms of coming, you know, bringing two companies together. And, and that can, you know, sometimes mean that we just execute um, the plan and it's a list of actions and activities. And does it always get the change that you're really looking to achieve? Um, you know, whether that's a behavioral change associated with what we're, we're trying to do or, or even the strategy itself. Um, does that actually get executed and implemented as well as we would want? Um, because, you know, we've, we've gone so fast. Yeah. So in, in this pace, um, I imagine, you know, we, obviously the risk is higher. The larger the transaction is, the larger the company. But um, it's not always... A large global transaction that's that's at play, and um, you know, if we really think about this as you know the consulting hour, which is kind of how I like to think of it, mm-hmm. we think about best practices and things that uh, our listening audience can think about or contemplate. Um, engaging with your leaders really on the front end and encouraging them to isolate those those components of the culture that they'd like to see, or you know, the ways of working that they'd like to see, and really coaching them early. To, to, to drive that personally sounds like something that um, regardless of the size of the transaction would make sense. Absolutely key. Absolutely key. Definitely. Um, and, and I think the, 
the leader understanding, you know, how they show up. Um, so it's not, you know, they have to, they have to, I think, create a team because generally it's a new team that mm-hmm. they've created going through this process. They have to create a new team where, whereby, you know, they, they, they establish that trust um, for them for themselves. Um, they've got to go on this journey and being, you know, a high performing aligned team is, is key. And so being the leader of that, you've got to establish the trust and you know, bring some vulnerability, I think, to that conversation about you as a leader. And, um, you know, my experience is some leaders are very, very comfortable with that. Some leaders are very uncomfortable with that. Right. Um, right. So, uh, again, coaching around that and uh, supporting the leader in that process is, is one of the roles I think we in, you know, organization development and the people side um, can really help with. That's that's great. I, I think we'll take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll kind of talk about how we get people like ourselves at the table mm-hmm. um, to, to and position to have those kind of critical conversations. Great. So let's take another quick break. Um, thanks everyone for tuning in. We will be right back with Sarah Leonard, Global Vice President of Learning and Organization Development for GSK. We'll be right back after the short break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you are in the sales field or maybe don't even know that you are, you need a plan to be successful. Every day we are engaged in business and don't even realize that it all comes down to sales. We all have something to say and need to motivate others to the same way of thinking. Sales Execution Optimization. The new SEO is the show that gets you thinking and speaking whatever the product or service. Host Phil Bush will give you the tips you need to succeed. Listen every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Savvy business owners, learn how auspicious timing can have a positive influence on business decisions and strategies. You can achieve your goals while creating a competitive edge in your given field. Tune into Illuminating Feng Shui with host Kathleen Zamansky, where classical feng shui and Chinese metaphysics work together to help you discover your strengths and use them at the right times. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you pursuing your passions in business? Is your purpose integrated into your brand? Are you telling your story? Building a thriving business stems from authentic communication that serves your audience, champions big ideas, and generates big impact. Learn how to grow your business in a more meaningful way by tuning into the Soul Shull Hour with host Francis Leary. It's more than business development. It's soul and inspiration, too. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. 
You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Hi, and welcome back, everybody. Uh, Don't forget, if you have any questions or comments, you'd like to join the conversation, feel free to call in. Um, So let's get back to our discussion with with Sarah. When we left, we were talking about um, the importance of leadership behaviors in these kinds of transactions. And, you know, how, how does that coaching and how does that um, that education happen? And it really does happen with a very seasoned and capable, credible uh, LNOD expert at the table. And um, it's nice that you've been at that table for these large transactions with GSK over the years. But so let's talk a little bit about how that happens. So knowing that these things are important, um, how, did, how does uh, uh, an HR or OD professional that's not necessarily sitting at the table or not saying the things that need to be said at the table, how do they get there? How did you find your way there? Um, <clears throat> I, I think primarily it's about delivery. So if I think about my career at GSK, you know, it's that continuously delivering, which builds the credibility ability is key and um, once you have that reputation of a delivering and being you know a powerful voice in terms of you know speaking to truth uh, being courageous um, and challenging where you need to then the doors Um, I think it's important that you know your head of HR is um, aligned but but even despite that, you can still get a seat at the table if you exhibit those, you know, those characteristics of speaking to truth and being brave and challenging when you need to. And I think that's um, that's what I've, um, you know, endeavoured to do over the years. And um, it's it's generally worked. Um, I haven't had too many doors slammed in my face. <laughs> But it's not easy, right? Because no. um, this is sort of the squishy side of the business in some respects. You know, you can't really, uh, it's hard to quantify it. Um, but it's it's important to be able to um, effectively translate these things to leaders so that they don't move forward without it. Um, there's a lot of, um, I mean, there's a lot of research out there that actually speaks to you know, the human side of, of, of mergers and acquisitions and the human side of change that, you know, is a good bedrock for people to draw on, to to speak to executives about and to use to, you know, to emphasize that this is going to give them performance and, and your strategy. Um, so that's kind of, you know, something that you have to have, you know, continuously in your back pocket. But then it's it's how you, you know, show up then in that conversation mm-hmm. and how you grab that their attention and how you consult to them. And, you know, I always ask myself before I'm going in to speak to a, you know, whether it's a C-suite executive or a senior executive, what do I want when I walk out of the room? Right. What do I want them to be going? Ah, I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of, you know... Um, consulting yep. kind of pieces that I think are important to get that seat at the table and to keep that seat at the table. So what are some situations where you've had to have some hard discussions with with your leaders um, to get them sort of back on track or to give them some awareness of things that, you know, they're just not 
willing to take a look at or they're just, you know, they're insistent that this is not really going to impact, right? I don't to think about that. Why don't we go talk to these leaders over here about that? You know, or, or I'll let my team handle that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a common one, isn't it? I'll hand it off. I'll hand it off to my team to manage. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's it's just about being, you know, courageous to do it. Um, I think about a leader that I worked with in the pharma R&D space for a long time. And, you know, everything that he was talking to me about that he thought was important. He was very, very focused on leadership um, and in terms of transforming the R&D organization. So, um, and he kept talking about leadership. And eventually I said, they believe it's important. (laughs) And he, he just looked at me and just paused for about two minutes. And then he said, no, they don't. And well, that's what we need to change. And then holding the feet to the fire. Mm -hmm. So on the back of that conversation, I recall being in a talent review process Mm -hmm. and they were talking about a specific leader who actually, in terms of the behaviours that they were exhibiting, were, you know, less than optimal, in fact, probably very destructive. And the conversation turned to, well, well, let's get better people around that leader rather than actually dealing with the leader. The leader yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I called it out in the meeting, obviously, and said, you know, that, you know, just referencing the conversation we've had previously about the importance of this, what I'm observing now is not, you know, uh, representing what you've said you you've committed to right it's the follow-up and then I you know I set up time with the leader and said about this leader there will be you know ramifications and unintended consequences of that so listen to and that leader was moved into a very non-leadership role I mean they're a deep expert scientist um, but you know take that person away from impacting you know large um, numbers of employees with their leadership shadow um, uh, allow that person to bring their expertise but not you know have destructive behaviors that impact impacted the p- people that were working for for that senior executive yeah I mean sometimes it comes down to the ability to accurately assess people's highest and best use mm-hmm. and within the context of what it is that we're trying to okay. accomplish you know and the, the risk that you run in not having these sort of conversations and focusing on the the people side of these things is that performance is impacted once the transaction is done, Mm -hmm. which can happen, Mm -hmm. right? But these are not often things that are thought about in in advance. So having a strong uh, human capital leader or in the case of a large organization like GSK, where you've got the capacity and the infrastructure, having both a a strong LNOD person is is critical. Yes, and I... I think one to you know being an internal consultant versus being an external consultant, and it's um, it's 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 a fine line internally that you have to you know you have to navigate because being that strong voice, being that um, courageous, um, holding the mirror, giving you know you have to you can't walk away from right. that. You can't <laughs> and go, now the engagement is done. And thanks very much. Um, so you have to be very very skilled in how you how you approach that. And I and I think you know all of us need to be thinking and thoughtful about when we're internal how we manage that. It's not easy. Um, you know and we're judged we're judged by you know the organisation in terms of our performance. So I think it's a unique. Um, it's, it's a unique challenge for, for, for internal consultants, mm-hmm. I think. I just, 
it just came to mind. I don't know if I answered your question, but yeah. I was just thinking about that and no, how, it's important how important it was. Yeah. It's an important distinction. And, you know, for the employees who have the benefit of an internal consultant like yourself um, navigating these waters on their behalf, what, what can employees, ex- what should they expect in, you know, they find themselves now part of a large merger or acquisition in this space? Um, you know, you're looking out for the company, you're looking out for future performance, you're looking to bring alignment, but, you know, as you're the employee sitting there, you know, what, what can they expect or what, what role should they play to ensure success? Um, so I think it's, it's important to establish as, you know, feedback loops um, into the organization and, and really, you know, true act, actual continuous listening, mm-hmm. which we're not, certainly in GSK, we're probably a little bit behind on. Um, but giving the voice to the employee and uh, uh, making sure that they are comfortable to provide that and that the organization will respond to that in a positive way. Um, we certainly establish feedback loops and um, make sure that we're connecting, whether it's through pulse surveys, through you know, using a, a kind of cohort of employees to, to engage with, whether it's having focus groups, whether it's to have a specific sounding board that looks at, you know, specific plans and approaches that you're putting in place or thinking of putting in place to enable the, the, the merger acquisition to, to proceed. Um, we do all of those things, but, you know, getting real time, real time, continuous feedback mm-hmm. is something I think we could do better on and I think is an invaluable tool to, you know, make employees feel that they have a voice and that, you know, we can, we support them. Um, you know, of course, I spend a lot of time with my ear to the ground, um, you know, dur- during this process. And I think that's important, really getting, you know, the on the ground feedback and spending time with employees to hear, to hear the views. Um, it's, it's key. And, you know, it's sometimes what people don't say. So the real skill um, I believe in organization development is, you know, engaging in a dialogue and a conversation with employees. You know, yes, they, you know, making them comfortable to speak, right. but, but having that expertise to understand what's the unsaid thing here, you know, how do you connect the dots? And I remember a, a piece of work I was involved in where I interviewed, you know, a lot of people and um, it was interesting what wasn't being said and it was interesting what was being said. And as a result of that, I I identified what were the six beliefs to break. Wow. Right. So, um, but nobody had said those things. Um, and that's, that's, again, it's, I think it's a unique skill that, that, you know, we can bring to, you know, to executives to say, this is what's really going on in your organization. People are saying this, but they have these beliefs right. and, you know, you're, you're not going to achieve what you want to achieve unless we really, you know, he, you know, lean into these and face into them and acknowledge them and put plans together around them because um, they're very, very powerful. That is, I think, most fascinating about this is that we've, we've really not talked about the specialized skills that may be, you know, across divisions or across, the, you know, companies within the GSK organization but just a, a, a commonality around behaviors mm-hmm. and culture mm-hmm. and really addressing that, which is really fascinating when you think about an industry that's so specialized and requires so much in terms of skill sets. So we're going to take uh, one more break. And uh, when we come back, we will finish up and talk a little bit about some words of advice that you might have. 
So thanks again, everybody, for tuning in so far. We will be right back with Sarah Leonard of GSK after a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are a small business owner or a creative freelancer in pretty much any field, you can't miss Let's Get Radical. Your hosts, Jody Paydar and Liz Gold, will help you redevelop your plans, policies, and practices to take a radical turn in order to achieve new success. They spotlight the latest in technology, attitudes, what others are doing, and what can help you. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And let's get radical. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you find yourself working tirelessly to keep your business going? Are you finding out that you don't have time for family, friends, any kind of personal life whatsoever? It's time to stop feeling trapped by your business. Tune in to Reclaim Your Freedom with host Shirley Dalton. You'll hear from guests that will help you work on your business instead of constantly in your business and get your life back while the business keeps running and humming. Reclaim Your Freedom airs live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're here with Sarah Leonard, Global Vice President of Learning and Organization Development for GSK. And before the break, we were talking about how regardless of skill sets or type of business or location, um, what's often most important are the cultural commonalities mm-hmm. that align with the strategy for, for growth or the intent after the transaction. And I, you know, I'm wondering if you've ever seen anything um, in your experience where that, that really did play out? Yeah, so um, it, it, I worked for a number of years in the consumer part of GSK and um, I then moved into the pharma commercial world for um, you know, for all of kind of what we call our international business, so anything outside of Europe and US, so very globally diverse. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as a result of, you know, uh, transaction, we wanted to, you know, conduct a survey to find out what was really, you know, important. And everybody was saying to me, you 
know, you can't possibly assimilate that because everybody's so different in this space. Um, you know, the different cultures, um, the different countries, the different contexts. Um, and I, you know, completely agree that context is king. <laughs> um, but, you know, I collected all of the data. What is absolutely um, so fundamental and, and interesting to me when I got the results was that fundamentally people are the same. Mm-hmm. They want the same things. They want to be challenged. They want to be recognized. They want to be valued. Um, they want to be developed. They want to have a voice. Um, so no matter where you come from, you know, components of whatever you're trying to create as a company, they're the same. Of course, there are local then textures and flavors, right. but at its core, you know, what was similar and the data showed it that everybody, you know, was was responding in the same way um, about the, the core things that were important to them as employees. And it's because I think that even across industries, we find that, uh, you know, there's that study that says there's the top five reasons why people leave and, you know, money is number five, you mm-hmm. know, and then the number one reason why people leave is not because they feel like they're underpaid or they're paying attention to their pay, but it's because of their the impact that they can bring to the organization or perhaps the, the uh, type of relationship that they have with their manager. Mm-hmm. But um, when you think about those core behaviors or core things that seem to be common across industries or across locations or countries, the way that manifests inside one organization versus another can be very different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're feeling engaged and involved, valued, that you have a voice inside an organization that uh, is deeply rooted in consensus and and believes in uh, hearing everyone's voice before we make decisions and is, you know, um, some would call, you know, risk averse because we want to make sure everyone is in agreement and alignment before we do anything versus an organization that moves a little faster and, you know, they think consensus is, you know, kind of slows things down. And, you know, I, I, I put you in this job and I trust you to make a decision to make a decision and go. You know, that could be someone could feel equally valued mm-hmm. and uh, equally appreciated and, and equally happy in either organization just manifests differently. Right. But then we bring these two organizations together. Mm-hmm. So how as a culture expert do you what do you what do you do? What do you do in that situation, knowing that, you know, the minute this transaction closes, the expectation is that performance is off and running and off we go. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because you just described <laughs> perfectly the, the consumer JV space because uh, the, the Novartis side of the, the equation were very, you know, very, very performance um, focused, very execution focused, very financially focused, uh, quick decision making, not a lot of consensus. Mm-hmm. Um, GSK, on the other hand, is much more traditional around, you know, consensus and, um, you know, um, bringing everyone along on the journey and, you know, investing that time. And so it could have been a complete clash of cultures. Um, but as I mentioned before, when we did the diagnosis um, and doing, you know, really robust diagnosis is key to any kind of work that we do as professionals, they, um, it became clear that actually what they valued, you know, there was this intersection. Um, so you, you know, you major on that. And, and I think you, you, you pick the, the four elements of the culture that both sides are really saying that they want mm-hmm. and really try and draw those out. 
and work on those um, in terms of communication and engagement and it'll resonate with people. Um, that doesn't mean to say that the other components, you know, don't need to be addressed, but it's always, um, I think some, one of the pitfalls is that we we sometimes try and do everything at once. Mm-hmm. So we kind of want to address every aspect of the culture immediately. Right, right. Um, you know, we've got this long list. I think we had like seven or eight attributes of the culture that we were looking at. Uh, and, you know, there was probably one or two that were probably more far apart in terms of the two you know, the two organizations, but trying to address that was a a lot of energy, Mm -hmm. whereas focusing on the ones that, you know, were slightly closer and what everybody said they were looking for and wanted to, you know, feel to be a part of in this new company, that's where we focused. Yep. So, um, yeah. And how do you prioritize? Because you have only, you only have so much time to, you know, you kind of have to get that immediately impactful, immediately visibly successful alignment around, I guess, people's emotions and behaviors first, and then um, then ways of working secondarily. But, you know, when people come together, they need to feel good about what's happening. And so is that, is that a driver in how you prioritize which parts of the structure or the, which parts of the cultural structure you want to align first? You know, how, how do you do that? Oh, gosh. Um what would I say? Um, just, just one best practice. One best practice. Mm, I'm struggling with that, Sonia. Well, Maybe ask the question a different way. Yeah, I mean, I watched you do it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have the answer then. Tell me what I did. <laughs> I will say this. I, I think that um, in that transaction, what I watched you brilliantly do was actually take a, uh, a, 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 a number of... Um, designated specific interventions to do that right right you know remember we had the portal the web portal and we had you know Mm -hmm. a means of of extracting um um preferences from from leaders from employees from the business we aligned all of that in a way where communication i thought of something so one of my um it's probably not uh you know a super creative or most innovative idea um but really what I wanted to have the employees experience was that this was their journey. Yes. yes. And so we, you know, we created an experience for them that was called My Journey mm-hmm. that was personalized to them so that as they went through, you know, day one to day 30 to day 60 to day 90, we were taking them on a journey of education and awareness, not only about what they needed for their role, but also the important cultural messages that we wanted to make sure were, in, you know, integrated and infiltrated through all of our comms and our engagement and everything that we did. So that, you know, that that was one of the things I think is important, and you have to be fast with that. You know, you can't wait, right, um, right, to to get that right. Um, so if you remember, a lot of um, yeah, a lot of energy was 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 put into making sure that, you know, pre certainly pre day one, um, we did what we could. But you know, day one was clear that everybody was going on on that journey, and how you then align all of the comms and engagement around that is is key. Yeah, no, that was that was brilliantly executed, um, and uh, I think it's a great example of a best practice that uh, we can share with the audience because. Mm-hmm. Um, Although uh, this type of work is is not 
people call it kind of squishy. You know, I, I think that one of the uh, keys to success in it is the, the, the structured, strategic, purposeful rollout of these things. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank you so much for, okay. for being on the show today. Your insights are uh, invaluable, and uh, it was really cool to get an inside peek into the larger global pharmaceutical space as it relates to M&A. Um, so that's it for today, everybody. I want to thank you once again, Sarah, for being here and to let the listening audience know that uh, we'll be back together again next week on the Business Channel and Voice America. Have a great day. Thanks for listening this week. You can tune in live to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions, every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join your host, Sonia Weigel, again next week.